Bridge, Sky U Ma, and row the boat. Welcome back to Flipping the Field. This is WSUM Student Radio's College Football Podcast. My name is Jake Hamelberg. I am joined alongside, as always, by Jonathan Mills. Here talking Big Ten football. We are here talking Week 6 Big Ten football. I want to start out, we want to apologize for not getting our show out for Week 5. There's been a lot of uh, troubles with scheduling in our production studio. It's been very busy with all the other podcasts on the WSUM's expansive podcast network. Everyone should go listen to all those other shows. Um, but we're back. We found our time. We're going to try to get this now every week now. And we apologize to all of our loyal diehard fans. But we're here and we're ready to go. Jonathan, you excited to talk some more Big Ten football? Yeah. Uh, did you miss us? Because I certainly missed us. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole slate of things to talk about, a lot of upcoming games, some big questions, some key takeaways. And Jake, let's just get right into it and give the people what they've been missing for seven plus days. All right. So we're going to get right into it. As Jonathan said, we're going to start as we always do with our quick rundown of every game in the Big Ten this week. Jonathan, we're going to start Wisconsin 48, Kent State nothing. Um, we all knew this was going to be a blowout, and if you look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter point total, Wisconsin started with 7 in the first and 21 in the second, 15 in the third, and 7 in the fourth. Graham Mertz got a little bit of action. All the starters came off at the end, and this was a dominant win for Wisconsin and kind of just a break between the conference games, and we all expected this. I hope we did. If you're a football fan, you knew this was coming. Jake, next game up on the list, Ohio State 34, Michigan State 10. Yeah, this was supposed to be one of the first big tests for Ohio State considering how highly regarded the Michigan State defense has been all year. And Ohio State just kind of beat the brakes off them. I mean, this game was all about J.K. Dobbins running for 172 yards on 24 carries and a touchdown, including his long 67-yard touchdown scamper. Overall, Ohio State still looks unbeatable, and you have to start asking the question, is Ohio State not only the best team in the Big Ten, but the best team in the entire country? As for Michigan State, we see this new offense struggling again. Brian Lewerke had a very pedestrian day at quarterback, and if you're going to beat some of the teams in the Big Ten, that's not going to do enough. So Michigan State has to figure things out very quickly going forward. Jonathan, up next, Penn State 35, Purdue 10. Um, For this game, the biggest takeaway for me wasn't the score. It was that that four Penn State freshmen burned their redshirt statuses versus Purdue. Now, in my opinion, this is extremely early in the season to already have burned redshirt status. And for four young, talented players, this kind of takes away from Penn State's depth moving into the later years. But once again, Penn State's going to continue doing what Penn State does, and they shut down Purdue, and this is a very legitimate Big Ten team that does not get a lot of talk compared to Wisconsin, Ohio State, and even occasionally Michigan. 
Jake, next game up on the docket, Michigan 10, Iowa 3. This was probably the biggest game of the weekend in the Big Ten, and Michigan proved that that they're not dead. Their defense was back. Nate Stanley on Iowa threw three interceptions. The Iowa State ground game never got going with their leader rusher only getting 40 yards. They actually ran for one yard as a team net with all the sacks that Nate Stanley took. One yard as a team? Yeah, that includes the sacks that Nate Stanley took. But, um... Michigan's offense still not there, still not what everyone thought it was going to be. Shea Patterson had another not great day at quarterback, and Michigan got the win. They proved that they're going to be able to bounce back from their tough loss at at Wisconsin, and they're still going to be competitive in the Big Ten. But this is a bad look for Iowa not being able to take care of business as an undefeated team. Jonathan, up next, Minnesota 40, Illinois 17. Minnesota is undefeated, and if you look at their record, obviously there's no losses, but that said, look at the teams they've played. Illinois right now, we now know the quarterback situation is an absolute mess. Brandon Peters, I thought, was going to be the saving grace for this team, but he's now injured. He got injured against Saturday. He didn't play the rest of the game, but in that time he was on the field, he was still only 5 of 10 with 32 yards and one interception. Those numbers, Jake, I don't care who you're playing. Those numbers are not going to beat any teams, and Illinois is an absolute dumpster fire, but we knew that coming into the season. Next game up, Jake, Maryland 48, Rutgers 7. Um, You guys, everyone knows, I was pretty high on Maryland coming into the year, and I think we're starting to learn that they're the team that can beat really bad teams and then lose to good teams. They're not going to beat good teams. They're not going to lose to bad teams. You see it here. It looks like they have the greatest offense in the world again, putting up almost 50 points, but they're playing Rutgers, and Rutgers isn't very good, and... Maryland's just going to, you know, they're going to beat the bad teams in the Big Ten. They're going to lose to the big team, the good teams in the Big Ten, and that's kind of all we have to know about this game. As for Rutgers, the road to the worst team in the Big Ten continues with another horrible, horrible loss, and I don't know if there's much else to say about this Rutgers football season other than time to look for next year. Jonathan, the last game of the week, Nebraska 13, Northwestern 10. This was about as big of a Big Ten game as you can get in regards to just the themes and characteristics of a Big Ten conference. This game was everything that flipping the field was about. Jake, there were 19 punts between the two teams. Do you remember when we went two or three seasons, when, or excuse me, do you remember when uh, Ohio State was forced into a single punt because I can't even remember a single time. There's it was a defensive slog. Uh, there was hardly any offense. In fact, there was only 612 yards of total offense. And between these two teams combined, it was 739 net punting yards. Oh my gosh, this is as Big Ten as you can get, and I was all for it. But as we see, Northwestern still in that Big Ten championship hangover. And Nebraska, as dramatic as things have been from time to time, they pulled out a big conference win against Northwestern. Yeah, and this time Nebraska won with their defense, whereas most games that they've been winning are shootouts. So it's good to see Nebraska can win a game in more than one way, even if it's against a struggling offense that Northwestern has. All right, now we're going to move on. Those are all the games from last week in the Big Ten. It was a good slate. we got another great slate coming up. Uh, Now that we're about six weeks into the year, I thought it'd be a good time to take stock of our undefeated teams still in the Big Ten. We have four of them, and I want to go down the list. We're going to talk about each one, talk about maybe their chances at winning their division, 
their chances at winning the conference, their chances at doing anything nationally. Maybe we're going to talk about their ceiling, what we actually think. First team we're going to go, we're going to go in order of ranking, starting with number four, Ohio State, who has blown everybody out. And I think we all know they're very they're the big favorite right now to win the Big Ten, so I don't want to spend as much time on that. Jonathan, when it comes to Ohio State, in your opinion, are they the single best team in the country? In my opinion, they are the best team in the country. And we can look at all these SEC teams, all these teams down south, but at the end of the day, this Ohio State team is the best team in the conference. And let's go through it. Yes, they have six victories. None, Jake, are by fewer than 24 points. They have never been outscored in a quarter since sleeping down the stretch in their season-opening blowout of Florida Atlantic. They drilled Michigan State on Saturday with a 323-67 to domination in rushing yards. That is a huge gap. Justin Fields actually threw an interception, his only one in 141 attempts, and this is Ohio State. They make defenders look silly, they make offensives look silly, and they are just steamrolling through every single team they face, and I am so nervous as the biased, unbiased Wisconsin fans that we are because I know this game is going to be a blowout, and Ohio State is going to steamroll into the college football playoff. You mark my words. So right now when you look at the All-State college football playoff predictor on ESPN.com, Ohio State has the best chances in the entire country of making the college football playoff right now at 74%. And the one thing about Ohio State that makes me nervous right now, while they have been the most dominant team of the con- in the country, hands down, no question, they really haven't played a top-tier team yet. You already have teams like LSU who went into Texas and beat Texas. You have Alabama who's also beating the brakes off everybody. I don't know if Ohio State just based on the competition that they've played so far, if we can say they're clearly the best team in the country, I think they definitely deserve to be in that category. I actually said they were number four. I believe they got tied for number three with Georgia this week. And I just want to make sure that <clears throat> we see enough from Ohio State against other top tal- top-tier top elite talent. And I don't even know if he's going to be able to get that out of Big Ten, if they're going to be able to get that out of games in the Big Ten. All right, the next team I want to talk about Number eight in the latest AP poll, Wisconsin. Clear favorites right now to win the Big Ten West. Jonathan, do you think it's a no-brainer they're going to win the Big Ten West? And if they do, can they beat an Ohio State or a Penn State team in the Big Ten championship game? The winner of the Big Ten championship game is going to be in the college football playoff. That said, I'm not sure if that team's going to have to go 13-0 with a title or if they're going to be able to squeak in with one or two losses and a Big Ten championship. Because these matchups, so Wisconsin, the Penn State, the Ohio's, those are the teams that at the end of the year when we're knocking on the door, that's who we're going to be discussing, as you just said. So do I think that Wisconsin has a chance and Penn State has a chance? Absolutely I do. But it's going to be now coming down to each individual week, how good are you beating these teams and how dominant are you performing? Because a lot of these schedules are similar, Jake. A lot of these schedules have the one or two big games. Wisconsin has the Michigan and Iowa and Ohio State. Penn State has the Ohio State. Ohio State has the Penn State game and Wisconsin game. I mean, a lot of these schedules are fluctuating, but they're so similar. So it's very hard to kind of 
pinpoint down which team it has the best odds because we now have to go case-by-case basis as the weeks linger into the later part of the season. Yeah, I definitely think Wisconsin could win the Big Ten. Obviously, they're in the Big Ten West, which is a big advantage. That November 9th game against Iowa, luckily for Wisconsin fans, is at home. So that's probably going to be the game that decides the winner of the Big Ten just because those two teams are going to be one loss and undefeated probably going into that game. Actually, Iowa might not be. And then you talked about Penn State a little, and Penn State actually may have the toughest schedule remaining in the Big Ten as a whole. Next week, they are traveling to Iowa. We will talk about that game in a bit. The week after that, they have to host Michigan. Then the next week on October 26th, they have to travel to Michigan State. And then November 23rd, you mentioned it's probably going to be the biggest matchup in the Big Ten regular season. Penn State has to travel to Ohio State. So they play, Penn State still plays three ranked teams, two of them on the road, and they have to go to Michigan State. So my question to you, I guess, against Penn State is can they even get through the rest of the regular season undefeated or even close? Will they even be in the Big Ten picture by the end of the season, or is this schedule just going to eat them alive? Right now, Penn State has a little bit of a headache, as in recently the a Penn State player shared an alum net letter disparaging teammate for having dreadlocks. Now, that is what is going to be on their mind for probably the next two and a half weeks. That's what the media is going to be covering for the next two and a half weeks. So can they get through this as they've gone through a lot of these touchy situations before? Perhaps. But we've seen when Penn State, when these distractions, I wouldn't say distraction in a negative term, I would just say distraction from the week-by-week game at hand. When these come up, this team has been known to kind of fall back and suffer and get swept up in it. So do I think they can go undefeated the rest of the season? Yes. Do I think Ohio State's their toughest matchup coming up? Yes. Do I think that it will happen? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I don't actually, you said they can. I don't think they can. I think one, Ohio State's too good, but I just think in the next three weeks, they play too many big games in a row. This is still on offense, a very young, unproven team. Obviously, Trace McSorley is gone. Miles Sanders is gone. Saquon Barkley is gone. The staples of the Penn State offense over the last three to four years, none of them are still here anymore, and they're relying on a new quarterback, New running back. I mean, they're leading Russia right now, only has 200 yards. So they're going by committee. And I don't know if that's going to be good against some of these tough environments against these Big Ten teams that are shutting down the run. And I'm just, I don't think that Penn State has enough experience yet to be considered a true contender in the Big Ten. All right, the last team that's undefeated that we have to talk about, maybe the biggest surprise of the season that they're still undefeated would be the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They're sitting at 5-0. and They are not even ranked, though, at 5-0. and That should tell you something about the way they, their schedule. Um, they have beaten right so far. They have not had very impressive wins, when it beating South Dakota State by 7, Fresno State by 3, Georgia Southern by 3, Purdue by 7, and last week their first blowout against Illinois. Jonathan... Do you believe in Minnesota, or do you just think when their schedule gets tougher, at the end of the year, three of their last four games are versus Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin? Is they just can, are they done? I have a lot of, and I'm sure you know people that go to the University of Minnesota. And right now, all I'm seeing on Twitter, all I'm seeing online is, oh, why isn't Minnesota ranked? Why isn't Minnesota getting the respect that Wisconsin deserves and that Ohio State deserves? 
Well, Jake, if you boil it down to Minnesota's schedule, what team have they beat that's deserving of a top 25 ranking? Because right now, I'm seeing a whole lot of nothing. I'm seeing a New Mexico State. I'm seeing a Fresno State, which they almost lost to. I'm seeing a Miami, Ohio. I'm seeing a uh, Illinois. Or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking, looking at, at the, the wrong. I'm looking <laughs> at the wrong. I apologize. Let's. You see a South Dakota State that they thank barely you. I'm beat. Thank you. I'm seeing a South Dakota a State. Fresno that they State. They thank barely you. Thank beat. you. A, a Georgia, Georgia Southern. They, they barely beat. Yes. I mean, this team is escaping with wins. And all we all know in college football, winning is number one. But if anything's been proven by bowl selections and playoff college football playoff the last year, style points do matter. This is not the NFL. This is not a records-based league. You need to beat teams, and you need to beat them badly. And Minnesota is not doing that right now, and I don't think they have the ability to do that. For a Minnesota football team, with its recent history, how they've been struggling, yes, last year they won the Axe for the first time in like 20 years. So Minnesota is trending in the right direction as a program. P.J. Fleck is a great coach. He has them rowing the boat, as they say, up there in Minnesota, but they are not there yet, and that's okay. Their recruiting is still trying to improve. They're still trying to change the culture from a team that's been struggling for the last 10 to 15 years. Will they eventually get to be a national title contender? I don't know, but they could definitely, in the future, be a Big Ten West contender for sure. And I need to make up my laps there in the last couple of minutes for writing and reading down the wrong schedule. Coming in at number 26, Minnesota is one of the only remaining unbeaten teams in college football who aren't in the top 25. The other is Appalachian State at 4-0. In all, Jake, there are 16 undefeated teams in college football. 14 of them are in the AP top 25 poll. Minnesota is the only undefeated team from a Power 5 conference that isn't ranked. But Jake, as we just talked about, style points matter. Strength of schedule matters. The committee makes this exceptionally clear every single year. So Minnesota's fan base, Minnesota's coaching, Minnesota's players, they can't get mad because a lot of these games have come down to the wire when teams like Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State would have blown them out of the water. And that's just the sad truth in it all. So, again, you, like you said, they're trending in the right direction. They're at the cups of number 25, 24 in the top 25 poll. And a big win against Nebraska this weekend on Saturday at 6.30. They can start, make it 6-0, being 5-0 for the first time since 2004. And they can finish October potentially with an 8-0 record. Look at who they finish against, Rutgers and Maryland. It gets daunting for Minnesota in November when they play Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. But that's another conversation for another time at the dinner table. Yeah, definitely. If you look at the team so far, they may have had the easiest schedule in all of the Power 5 conferences. It's, it was that easy, and they struggled. But you look at the schedule the rest of the way. They have Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, and I think we can both confidently agree they're going to win zero of those three games. Would you agree with that statement? I yeah, so, yeah, easily. But Nebraska has not been what we thought, or what you thought at least. Rutgers and Maryland have not been very good. Northwestern. This could easily be a nine-win team just based on their schedule alone. And for a Minnesota program that's one of the youngest in the country. That's a great season for Minnesota, and that's something that if you're a fan or a student or an alumni of Minnesota, that's something you can build on and that you can take as optimism going forward. So, yes, they're not getting any national respect. No, they don't deserve it, but there is some promise for the future if you are a Golden Gopher fan. 
All right, those are the undefeated teams in the Big Ten. Pretty good to have four teams six weeks in. I mean, we're now going to get into uh, three things that we learned from Big Ten football through six weeks of the season. Starting out number one, Ohio State, not only the best team in the conference, one of the best teams in the country. We talked about them already when they're undefeated. Their offense is unbelievable. Their defense is unbelievable. I believe they're the only team in the country that's top five in points per game scored and points per game allowed. That is really saying something in college football where most teams are heavily stacked on one side. To be that balanced all around is really saying something. Do you have anything else you want to add about this Ohio State team that we've been praising so much, Jonathan? I mean, good God, this is just a powerhouse team. And you put them up, and we were talking the other day off air about if we had a Wisconsin-Ohio State, if we threw them in against an SEC team, say Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, would anyone have a shot? I think Ohio State would have a shot this year against an Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Not only have a shot, I think they have a legitimate chance to beat them. Yes, and obviously Justin Fields at quarterback has been special so far this year. J.K. Dobbins is one of the best running backs in the country. Ryan Day has done a great job taking over the program with zero hiccups, zero bumps. This team is for real, as they say, and I don't see, I don't see a loss for Ohio State before a college football playoff. It hurts to say as a Wisconsin fan, I think Ohio State will beat them twice. Once in the regular season, once in the Big Ten Championship game. I just, I, I feel like Ohio State, I've, I feel like I've said this before, Ohio State is an SEC school that happens to be in the Big Ten. They recruit like SEC schools. Their offense is styled like SEC schools. Heck, their quarterback is even a transfer from an SEC school. Justin Fields started at Georgia. Their stadium fills like an SEC school. Yeah, it's can, just... Can it, I talk about Justin Fields very quickly? His stats this year, 2019, 98 of 141, nearly 1,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, one interception, 283 yards rushing, eight touchdowns. His Heisman qualifier stats, this guy accounted against, uh, in one game this year, he accounted for six touchdowns in the second quarter. That is not going to be matched by anyone in any Heisman race this year. I don't care if it's Jonathan Taylor. I don't care if it's Tua. I don't care if it's Trevor Lawrence. No one is going to match that. Six touchdowns he accounted for in one quarter. That's incredible. His first interception season, like we said before, came against Michigan State on Saturday night. But he did have 267 yards of total offense that his team led. He did throw two, two touchdown passes. And Fields' run game is improving. And we already knew he was quick on the ground. But, Jake, his odds right now are plus 1,400 to win. He's right behind Jonathan Taylor at plus uh, 2,000. I, I think the issue when you talk about Heisman with Justin Fields is that the Ohio State backfield is going to be split in votes because there are a lot of people in those voters that believe J.K. Dobbins is the main reason why Ohio State's this good. Because as good as Justin Fields has been, J.K. Dobbins has been just as good at running back. He had a monster game against one of the best running defenses in the country last week against Michigan State. And Justin Fields, yeah, I feel like those Georgia fans may be a little upset, but they had to stick with Jake Fromm. Justin Fields did what was his best for him. And Ohio State, I mean, when you look at the way they play and the way they beat teams, it is the antithesis of what flipping the field in Big Ten football is about. But they don't run the ball and punt the ball. They throw the ball and score the ball, and that's good for Ohio State. And that's fun for and that's viewers fun like for, us too. Absolutely. All right, the second thing we learned, this is more just from last week, the Michigan Wolverines are not dead yet. 
Some people thought that they might just roll over and die after their kind of college football playoff hopes were erased by Wisconsin in the drubbing from a couple weeks ago. But Ohio State had a, had their biggest game since Wisconsin last week. Their defense showed up. They played for Jim Harbaugh. People were calling for Harbaugh's job after that Wisconsin game. He looks like he has settled back in. They are playing good defense. They, the Michigan Wolverines, are playing Big Ten football with a 10-3 to win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. Jonathan, what do you see from Michigan now? What should their new expectation be going forward? I mean, you look at their record, Jake, it's still competitive. You look at their ranking, it's still in the top 25. Uh, one key loss against Wisconsin isn't a game changer, but it certainly has set the discussion and the tone for the rest of the year with Michigan because Jim Harbaugh now has an even bigger target on his back than before. Jim Harbaugh now has yet to prove that he can beat the Ohio States and Wisconsin's and key matchup games that determine seeding and ranking. But Michigan just needs to be explosive on offense. And it surprised me because when they were talking to Shea Patterson this week, Shea Patterson says, quote, Michigan offense, we're not trying to be explosive. This is the Big Ten. This is where you need an explosive offense against these lockdown defenses. You need to have these spark plug plays to get ahead. Because I didn't see that against Wisconsin, and I saw a little bit of that in the first quarter against Iowa, and then that was it. So if you're not trying to be explosive, what are you trying to be in the Big Ten? What is your identity as Michigan? Because, yes, you are a defensive team, but defenses are going to win you championships, but you know how you get to a championship, Jake, is with your offense. And I don't know what Michigan's trying to accomplish here, but they need to find their identity fast because it's already week seven. Mm-hmm. And people forget, Michigan only has one loss. They technically control their own destiny. Now, they have a very, very difficult schedule going forward. In two weeks, they have to travel to Penn State. That's a 6.30 game on ABC. I believe it's the Penn State whiteout game, too. So they know that crowd's going to be rocking with 110,000 people. Then the next week, they have to play Notre Dame at home. And that Notre Dame game is an extra game that Michigan has every year that other teams in the Big Ten don't. Then they have Michigan State later in the year, and they end the year, obviously, with the game against Ohio State. So the Michigan theoretically could just win out, but like you said, it their offense is not where it's been. And I think we can say Shea Patterson has been the most disappointing player in the Big Ten, if not in the entire country, through this point in the season. He was supposed to be a dark horse borderline Heisman candidate with how good he was. He was supposed to be so good that everyone was picking Michigan to win the Big Ten, and I believe they even had a 50% chance of winning the conference when the season started. Now it's almost none. They have no more room for error. They have to beat very good teams, Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State going forward, and I just they just put themselves in a bad hole. And like you said, it you need offense, you need explosive plays. It's great to have a good defense, but in today's day of football, that's not enough. Yeah, and you, I mean, he came in to Ole Miss as a five, four star, five star prospect, depending on what site you read. I mean, he was this, great at this, Ole Miss. He had one guy, unbelievable season there. This guy was destined for big things, and you look at his stats at Ole Miss at QB, in 2017, he threw for 2,300 yards, 322 yards per game, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 63% percent 
completion percentage. I mean, this guy did it at Ole Miss. And then you come to Michigan where, yes, the narrative change, the pressure increases, but, I mean, I can't harp on it enough, and I can't repeat what you say because I'm going to sound like a broken record, but what a disappointment so far it has been for him. Yes, definitely. And I think, yeah, I think Michigan is not where they want to be. I don't think they're going to end up where they want to be this year. But they just need to keep playing football. They need to keep winning games because that's how you keep recruiting. That's how you stay relevant nationally. You can't just take a season off. And Michigan has to regroup themselves and try to do that. All right, the last thing that we say we learned about the Big Ten football after week six is that on the whole, Jonathan and I, before the season started, overhyped the Big Ten way too much. We both saw Ohio State and Michigan as legitimate title contenders. You were all in on Nebraska. You were all in on Michigan State. After week two, I was all in on Maryland. And I just think that while the Big Ten has still had a good season and the fact that they do have four undefeated teams is good, we can. I think it's fair to say they only have one national title contender in Ohio State. And at the same time, Michigan's disappointed. Nebraska's disappointed. And I just don't think that we were saying that they were head top to bottom as deep as the SEC. And just the way this season's unfolded so far, I don't think that's even close to true. Do you agree with that, Jonathan? I agree. And yes, after six weeks, the SEC and Big Ten are responsible for half of the nation's 16 undefeated teams. Each conference boasts around four to five uh, contenders, and seven of the eight of these teams are legit college football playoff contenders. But, I mean, when it comes to worthiness, it's the SEC all the way. They have Oklahoma, Texas. No, no that's the Big 12. Or Big 12, I'm sorry. What am I thinking? I am, Jake, I apologize. A week off? This is what happens when a week off does to me. But, uh, SEC, you got Alabama, thank LSU, you, thank you. Auburn, Florida. They're just bigger names. Maybe it's because the SEC is just means more, as they say, and the ESPN and the countries all and the rest of the networks hype them up. But they look like the best conference, and I just think when you watch these Big Ten games every week, when you have two of your premier teams playing to a 10-3 game on national television, it's just not as good a look as these SEC games that are just high scoring, unbelievable defense, great athletes all over the field. And I think the point that we would like to make is by saying that these we overhyped the Big Ten is that we overhyped the middle of the conference. Because, yes, I would make the claim that the, in terms of depth, the Big Ten still has the best conference in terms of depth. That does not mean in terms of best teams. There's a difference. Depth is roster for roster, player for player, lineup, matchup, etc. I think we can say the Big Ten has the best depth. In terms of best teams, best contenders, best conference, as in like top tier, that's definitely got to go to the SEC. Because you have teams like we were saying, Illinois, Nebraska, Northwestern, these are teams that we came into the year saying, wow, we have a lot of high expectations for Northwestern to repeat as Big Ten champions. We have a lot of expectations for Nebraska to take that step forward. And once again, we've been proven wrong, and it's just been a little bit of you can start to see the separation gap between the Ohio State, which is in a whole nother level itself, and the Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, and then from bottom out, it's just absolutely dreadful. And that cannot compare to the SEC. Yeah, definitely not. All right, I want to move on now to next week's game previews. This is now the last part of our show, as always. And um, 
I I really only saw two games worth really talking about this week. I didn't think it was next week coming up the best week in the Big Ten. Obviously, you're starting to get some of these bigger interconference matchups. But when you look, um, the first game I wanted to talk about, probably the game of the week in the Big Ten, you have Iowa versus Penn State. Anton Kinnick in Iowa City. Um, it's a big game. Obviously, Penn State's still the favorite by slightly three and a half points. Penn State's been impressive. Iowa's coming off a tough loss where their offense looked dreadful. Jonathan, who do you like in this game and why? I'm liking Penn State. I'm liking Penn State to win. I'm liking Penn State to cover, and I'm liking the total to go over. So if you're a betting man as big as the betting man as Jake Hamelberg is, you're going to pick those things. Against the spread, Penn State's minus 3.5. That's 52% they usually get. And the best Penn State spread is at 3.5 line, which we were just talking about. And the best money line is minus 175. I think this is going to be an easy win for Penn State. And against an Iowa defense that has proven itself the last couple of years, I think this is when the wheels are going to start falling off for Iowa. And this is when Penn State's really going to kick it into another gear in the conference. All right, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm actually going to take Iowa to win this game. When you look at Penn State's schedule right now, it's comparable to Minnesota's schedule. Right now, Penn State only has one good win, and that was against Pitt at home. There's, Pitt is also not the best team. It's their only respectable win. Penn State's beaten Idaho, Buffalo, Maryland, and Purdue to go along with Pitt, and they struggle mightily against Pitt. I still think this is an unproven team. I think Iowa at home is going to be too much for James Franklin, the offense, the rest of that team. I think Iowa's going to have a chip on their shoulder and a little bit more of a sense of urgency after the way they played last week, and I think Iowa's going to upset Penn State and win this game, and I think the start of the snowfall that we said could possibly happen with Penn State because of their schedule starts this week in Iowa. That's right. And I just think that could be a real issue. The only other game that I saw on the Big Ten scoreboard that I thought was uh, noteworthy is Wisconsin at home against Michigan State. Wisconsin's a 10-point favorite. Michigan State's currently unranked, but I think their defense is really good. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Do you think Michigan State's run defense will be able to slow down Jonathan Taylor, or is Wisconsin going to do what Wisconsin's done all year and run the ball down their throats, not give up any points, and win this game easily? Uh Two answers to your two-part question. First one is that this game is going to be close. Let's not forget, Michigan State is outpassing Wisconsin 269-210. to 210. Brian Lewerke is a good quarterback, and he has been there for a long time, and I feel that he is one of the most undervalued quarterbacks in the conference in terms of consistency and tenure there at Michigan State. Um, Wisconsin's only outrunning Michigan State on the total this year, per game 230 to 144 that's only a 90 yard difference that's one big burst from a couple guys and wisconsin has jonathan taylor so do i think this game is going to be close yes do i think that looking at the against the spread michigan state 6-4 means something i do do i think that looking at head-to-head the teams are five and five do i think that means something yes i 100 percent do but this is going to be a defensive game and then come third, fourth quarter, Wisconsin's going to do what Wisconsin does. It's going to wake up, and it's I, it's they're going to pull away. Yep. As some of our listeners may know, Jonathan and I, while we do this podcast, also do a radio show called Fourth and Long on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison, Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock Central Time. Good plug. Going to plug it. And if you listen to that this week, I had a take. I said, I am more worried about this game. I was more worried than the rest of our show. There was three other guys there besides me, and they all said Wisconsin should win. 
I said I'm worried. The way Michigan State is built is on their defense, which, as you know, and as they say, defense travels. So they have that going for them. Also, I just feel like Michigan State, while they're not as good a team as Wisconsin, and they're not good enough to compete in the Big Ten this year, they are a team that's constructed that should be able to steal one win that they don't deserve. And I still see that happening. And I think this week might be the week. And I, I think Wisconsin will win, but I'm definitely more nervous about this game than a lot of people are saying. And I think that this could be a struggle for the Badgers. Ultimately, I think Jonathan Taylor's too good. I think Penn St- uh, <clears throat> I think Michigan State's offense is too inconsistent. But look out, this could game could be on your upset alert looking forward. You're right. And a quick point to draw off that Paul Christ is only four and five combined against Michigan State. But as a head coach, he beat the Spartans in his lone meeting when the Badgers dominated Michigan State in 2016, 30 to 6, which then began the seven game losing streak for Michigan State in that year when there were very, very high expectations for that yes, team. They were they were top fifteen, I believe, in that game. That was a top fifteen matchup. All right, that's all we have for you this week. That's all that's happening in the Big Ten football. We hope that we were able to help you watch football on past Saturdays. We hope that you will be able to have a little bit more of a idea as to what's going on in the Big Ten this coming Saturday when you watch all these great games. Jonathan, do you have any final words? Yeah, um, I will bring it next week. A little bit of a bumpy road this week. And until next week, when Jake and I bring our A++ game, you can follow us on Twitter at FTF underscore pod, at Flipping the Field underscore podcast. You can follow Jake and I individually on Twitter because Jake likes to retweet a lot of Tom Brady things. Of course. And you can also follow... Like Jake said, follow us actively as an active listener to Fourth and Long on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. Yeah, we, there might be an upcoming poll on that Twitter. What was worse, Jonathan's mistakes this week or his takes on Nebraska Michigan State? Can there be a 50-50 tie? Because I think that might happen. <laughs> Just look out for that going forward. That's all we have for this week. We will see you all next week to break down all these games and preview the Big Ten going forward. Thank you, and have a good week.